You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Take your Bibles and turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. Man, I can't get away from this. It just keeps coming back and back. And every time I come across 2 Peter chapter 1, it's just like it, it hits. And it's like, oh my, this is good stuff. Uh, we're really going to begin at verse 3, but I've got the first two verses up there. And, you know, Chuck's in the audience. If I skipped over verse 2, I might be in big trouble because grace and peace is in there, and we don't want to stop without hitting grace and peace. So let's open our hearts to the reading of the word. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of our and of Jesus, our Lord. Sometimes you memorize these things in other translations and they get in the way. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his glory and goodness, by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love. For if you, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray, Father, that you would release your spirit upon us and give us ears to hear so we can hear what the Spirit's saying to the church. For, Father, we don't want an academic exercise. We pray for a transforming experience with your word today. It is the confession of our lips that your word has power, that the gospel is the very power of God for the salvation of all mankind. And so we pray, Holy Spirit, that you administer the the power of the gospel to us today, that we would be transformed into your glory. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So Peter's writing, he writes differently than Paul. You can probably pick that up. He's writing to those who through righteousness, the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Wow. Have you ever thought of yourself as righteous? Depends on what kind of church tradition you've been raised in. 
I've been around some and they say, hey, Saint, Sister, Debbie, how are you doing? Da, 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 da. And it's kind of like, oh, really? That's, that's a little different, you know? Uh, oftentimes in the church we go, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I'm a blind man, found bread. And I tell people where the bread is and, uh-huh. and all this. But here, when we take that kind of language and we minimize what salvation has done, it's amazing to me that we water down the gospel. Do you realize that when you invited Jesus into your heart, in that moment when spirit gave birth to spirit, there was a cleansing, there was such a radical cleansing inside of you that it was just unbelievable. You are righteous. Okay, that, we can all say amen to that. But what happened? What happened? What happened to your righteousness? What happened to all that, that newness? Anybody remember when you first got saved? Some of you are pretty old. You can't remember that far back if you got saved as a, as a child. But I can still remember back. I felt so squeaky clean. I didn't think my mother would recognize me. I mean, the cleansing, the, the sensitivity. And you know, every time you connect with the righteousness of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you connect with what salvation has brought to you, There's oftentimes subsequent experiences with the Holy Spirit where we have these encounters and God's presence comes upon us and it's so amazing and it may be accompanied with some things that you've never experienced before. And when that happens, guess what? You feel righteous because you've reconnected with the truth of the gospel. It's a gospel of righteousness. It's the righteousness of God. It's how it takes us as unrighteous beings and brings us into a standing of right relationship with him. We're actually righteousness. I love the way Paul put it. He who knew no sin became sin. That's Jesus. Jesus never sinned. He is a perfect, perfect, sinless, spotless Lamb of God sacrifice. And because of his spotlessness, his righteousness, he became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. Now, I've heard that for years and years and years. And basically how I've translated that over the years is, boy, I'm glad when I have those experiences with God and he washes me and I feel so clean and I feel so amazing. I wish it would last. Boy, I wish it would last. And then I go and do something stupid and all of a sudden there's a sense of it dissipating. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody been there? You know, it's like... Man, what happened? That was so amazing. What happened from there to here? I, I, I guess I backslid. So I better go to the altar, confess my sins again, ask Jesus to forgive me so I can feel that wonderful cleansing of his presence. Matter of fact, sometimes you don't even have to be conscious that you've been in sin. I, I, I truly believe that I've pastored believers who miss the presence of God that comes with the relief and the refreshing of confessing our sins, that they unconsciously go ahead and sin so they'll have something that they can come to him and ask for forgiveness. So they can repeat that sense of cleansing. And, and it's like, oh man, we get, so, we get so messed up, we don't understand it. 
First of all, if you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there is the righteousness of God that rests on you. You are righteous. Why don't you feel righteous? Because when the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit, you've got, all, you've got a very complex system of all the things that have gone before you, the things that you believe are true about yourself and about reality and about God that are there. And it's kind of like all the ways in which we've agreed with the evil one, he has a legal right to mess with us. When you receive Christ and the righteousness comes in, the enemy has to leave. He has to leave. There is no place for him. He can't even get in the corners until he gets you to reclaim something that's not you. If he can get you to reclaim a belief, a thought, a doubt, a fear, an anxiety, something like that, he can get that. He brings it in and all of a sudden now <laughs> the righteousness of the gospel has been defiled in a sense by doubt. And now we're not sure. And you know what happens when you're not sure? There's an adversary who comes right along and he agrees with you. You probably didn't do it right. You forgot to say, in Jesus' name. Or you, you, didn't, uh, you didn't put a, a real tithe in. You only gave 9.9%. And that 1% that you didn't put in disqualifies you from knowing and experiencing and, and, and feeling the righteousness of God's presence. I'm jealous for this. I'm going after it. We've got to get it. I spent too many years in the church where we've never got this. And so we live not in confidence, we live in insecurity. <laughs> and as a result of it, those, those agreements that the enemy has, has deceived us into making, they, they start to become full systems. The, Paul calls them strongholds in 2 Corinthians 10. He, he talks about the strongholds that we have. And these are complex systems whereby we disqualify ourselves or we think less of ourselves and we can't embrace the full identity of sonship and daughtership in God. You got to get this. Because today I would like to take the detonator and push it down and blow up a zillion strongholds that are in my mind and yours and, and see if we can get the Holy Spirit and cooperate with the Holy Spirit and have him start to pull this stuff back so that we can really see truth and reality. Sometimes, you know, that crazy movie, The Matrix, it's like you, you, you got to take the right pill before you can start seeing how things are. And I know that's, that's silliness, but there is a reality that when we get in the spirit and our spirits become alive, we start to see. We start to see from the spirit's perspective. We start to see from heaven to earth instead of just earth. And when, when we get that, we get a grid. We start to realize, you know, this is a little more complex than I thought. I can't believe how many times that God is drawing me and he's speaking to me, but I can't hear him and I don't sense his presence. Hmm. There's a glitch in the system. So Peter is writing and he realizes that these people have got 
a real faith. And it's just as precious as all the apostles. It's as precious as his faith. And that tells me if someone has, has received the gospel and they've really believed it and it starts to take work, then all of a sudden things are being dismantled. The constructs that keep God at a distance, the constructs that, that keep God limited in his power in our lives, that keep the, the constructs that say, I've got a fear of intimacy. I've got a fear of getting too close. Everybody I get close to hurts me. And, and so it's like, how do, how do I let God get closer? Because if he hurts me, it's really going to hurt. All those constructs that the enemy sells us that we embrace actually restrict what Father has for us, what Jesus has for us, what the Holy Spirit is longing for us to know as true and as a, a real experience of life. Okay, I got to get going here. But this is good. This is good. If you can catch this, this, this will free you. Grace and peace in abundance. There you are, Chuck. In abundance. Not just a little grace, not a little peace. Grace and peace in abundance. And if you haven't heard Chuck's messages on grace and peace, you've got to get it. You've got to get a copy of those. Did a fantastic job. Yay. Grace and peace in abundance. Not just enough to get through. Not enough to just get by but to realize that we live in a state of grace and peace 24-7 forever and ever. There's never a moment that you have to leave and get outside of the grace and peace bubble. That is yours to live in. And it comes through the knowledge of God in Christ Jesus. Yeah. Everything that has to do with God is always going to be relational. There's, that's why formulas don't work. That's why you can, you can get your systematic theology and get a lot of truths and stuff like that. And you can, you can see some, and, and that's good. It's good to, to see the stuff, but it won't build a relationship. You've got to have the knowledge that comes from personal experience. If all Aaron had to know was what I told her about Steve... What you're experiencing now just wouldn't be very good. But you've got a personal relationship. And out of that relationship, you know. You know things that I don't know. Because you have relationship. Same thing with God. Doesn't matter who's got their PhD in theology. It matters who's spending time with God. Who's spending time listening Who's spending time opening their heart and, and letting him have access to know your heart, to heal your heart, where the wires have gotten crisscrossed to set them straight so that you can know how wonderful he is because he's better than you could ever imagine. You can't even begin to get there. So we've got his divine power. Now I'm ready to start the sermon. His divine power in verse 3. The problem is we think it's our power. We don't get it. It's his power. 
It's his divine power that has given us everything we need for life and godliness. The word for life there is zoe. It's, it's the word for, for real life. It's the life that we were intended to know. It's not existence. It's not having brain activity and a, and a heart that's pulp, pumping blood. It's, it's the full life that Jesus came for us to have. And so by his divine power, we have everything that we need. This goes so against our, our, our desire to be self sufficient and to be independent. It's nice that on Independence Day that we're going to talk about, you know, in the kingdom, independence will keep you from knowing the fullness of intimacy with him. It's as we become dependent, as we really lean into his divine power, that we begin to experience what he wants for us. We get to experience the things that life's supposed to be, how we're supposed to live, and everything that pertains to godliness. Okay? We got saved. We felt clean. We walked. We did some things that kind of made us feel not as clean. Did a few more things, and we felt not as clean as even that. We did a few more things, and now we're, now we're starting to feel kind of grody. You know, we're starting to feel kind of dirty and, and it's starting to get, and we're thinking, man, I need to get saved again. No, you need to appropriate the divine power that was yours when you invited Jesus into your heart. His divine power has all that you need for life and godliness. The cleansing, you can't cleanse yourself, but you can present yourself before his truth, his love, and his cleansing presence. And as you worship him and give him thanks and praise him, his, his presence comes and you then are appropriating divine power. And guess what? You have everything you need. You have everything that you need. If you don't have a copy of the scriptures, you, can, you still have everything you need when you have his divine power. That's right. When you have his divine power, you have everything that you need. Now for some of my young disciples... I want you in the word, heavy in the word, okay? Stay in the word, because it's amazing. But it's not the word that's your resource. It's his divine power. And we learn a lot about his divine power as we're reading the scriptures. We get a historical documentation of what he's done and what he will do so we know what to draw upon. But you don't get it from this you get it from him. That's right. So you got to have the divine power that comes in knowledge. Not intellectual knowledge, but relational heart, spirit, body knowledge. You know him. You know my background. I've, I've, I've said this a zillion times. Oh God, search me. Know my heart. Especially if I feel like something's wrong. Oh God, Check out, I think I'm deceiving myself. I don't even know what's wrong. Check my heart, check my heart. And in my neuro neurosis, and the neurotic Christianity that I used to live, I, am I going to heaven? Am I still with Jesus? Is it? And then one day I heard him say, he said, Rick, I know your heart. It's time for you to examine my heart. It's time for you to know my heart. I know yours. You 
are worried about yours because you don't know mine. Oh. And I don't know how many years it's been now, but I've still been swimming in his heart and I haven't got past mercy. His heart is so merciful. It is so incredibly kind and merciful. If you get into his heart, the enemy will no longer be able to use the fear of an angry father against you, but you will experience maybe for the first time what it's like to be in the heart of a father who loves you and gave everything for you. That's a good heart to swim in. Swim in that ocean. It's full of love. And you'll never touch bottom. His divine nature, man, so incredible. Through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. See, he's done it all. Most of, most of our Christian walk gets complicated when we think we've got something to do with it. As long as we realize that he's done it all and we learn how to submit and walk and enter into that relationship with thanksgiving and just get tethered to his heart, his heart and your heart, it's amazing how simple it can be. Then all you have to do is listen and obey. To be happy in Jesus is to trust and obey. I ought to write a song, shouldn't I? Yeah. (sighs) Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. Ah, his promises. His great and precious. Precious and great. Great and precious. His promises have value. When you get a promise from the Lord, whether you're reading the scriptures and the the Holy Spirit leaps out on the page and says, this is for you today. Treasure that. It has value. It's priceless. You know, embrace it. If you get a word from someone who's speaking and you hear God's voice in their voice, and all of a sudden you realize that this isn't just wishful thinking that someone's speaking to me. This is something of God that is coming through this person. And I sense it. Treasure that. Write it down. Record it. Get a notebook. Start journaling the things that God is saying to you. Because those are precious. Because when the time of storm comes, when tribulation, trials, all the darkness that that comes when you have those they'll see you through and that's how we participate in the divine nature we start believing the truth of what God's saying about us has anybody ever spoken a word from the Lord to you and as you heard it you just said oh you don't know me if you knew me you wouldn't be saying this I can guarantee you if, you, if you've ever had that in your heart, it's because the enemy has still got a system inside that is translating the good news and making it bad. He's able to twist and pervert that which is good, and you can't believe it. Because the greatest thing God ever created is you. You're his image, masculine. You're his image, feminine. 
You're created in his image and he loves you. That's how we participate in the divine nature. It's through these great and precious promises. We not only get into his divine nature, but, but as, as Peter puts it, we escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. Yeah. We can get out of the devil made me do it mentality. We can get to the place where all of a sudden we don't set ourselves up for failure. But we, we focus on his precious and great promises. And as we continue our knowledge, our personal, true, relational knowledge with him, <laughs> the things of this world grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. Yeah. Man, I'm coming back to all the old hymns this morning. <laughs> I have to have a hymn fest. For this very reason, here's where your effort comes in. Make every effort to add to your faith. When I saw this, my heart just leaped because the Lord's just talking to me about faith, 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 faith. Faith is the language of heaven. Faith is, is, is the language of the kingdom. Everything happens through faith. The, the writer to the Hebrews says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And then when you get to chapter 11 and you see all the, the incredible expressions of faith, it's amazing. I'm really pursuing understanding more and more in my relationship with God how faith, he, he's wanting me to know because faith is, I think, what's going to take me to the next level of intimacy with him. It's going to be a greater awareness and an understanding of what faith is and what faith does and how, how it works and how it brings him closer and me closer so that we can be closer together. It's a relational dynamic. It's not a faith in faith. It's a faith in Christ, a faith in God that releases faith. Now we know that in Paul's writings that there is a gift of faith. And I think a lot of times when people talk about faith and they talk about it from just a, 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 an enabling gift that they have, they make us all feel terrible. Don't you? Have you ever been around somebody that's got the gift of faith? You know, it's like, well, you shouldn't have that problem. Just believe. Just believe. You know, and, all that. and it's like, do you think I don't want to believe? It just doesn't happen that way. But for people who have been given a gift of faith, they don't, they don't know what they operate in. They don't know the gift that God has given them. Now, I want all the gifts. Years and years ago, when I was talking to the Lord about the gifts, and especially the one that got me kicked out of my denomination, trying to understand that one, uh, it was like the Holy Spirit taught me that, that spiritual gifts are like the golf clubs that are in my golf bag. And I thought, Really? I'm allowed 14 <laughs> in competition. And if I'm not in competition, I can stuff as many as I want in my bag. <laughs> and faith is a gift of the Spirit. But faith is, is a product of relationship with the Father. The more you have an intimate relationship with, one, with someone, the more you'll be able to depend upon them and trust them. That's why betrayal in relationship is so devastating because our hearts are born to believe and to trust. And when that trust gets violated, it does such a radical 
destructive work in our heart that it's hard to, to trust again. So if you were the devil, what would you do to a new believer? Find a way to break their heart. See if you can find a way to, to bring betrayal in. Someone that they trust. Because the more they trust that person and they get betrayed, the more they're not going to be able to trust the Father in heaven and the Lord Jesus. At the level of intimacy that he wants for us. Faith. Amazing stuff. Well, here's, here's just a, a list of seven things that you add to your faith, okay? And they, and they just build one on another, and I'm already over. Okay, real quick. Make every effort to add to your faith goodness. Goodness. God is good. And when you, when you really start to understand the goodness of God, you'll understand how incredible adding goodness to your life. It's going to come out of relationship. You're not going to be able to go over here and buy some goodness and put it on like a, a new set of clothes. It's going to be something that comes out of your relationship. Matter of fact, if you look at this list, it looks a lot like Galatians, doesn't it? The fruit of the Spirit. It, it, it's, these are the things that come out of spending time in His presence, out of the relational dynamic. But it helps us to see what we want to add in our, in our relationship. We're looking for goodness. Ah. I almost feel like when I say that, the enemy's right there saying, yeah, but there's no goodness in you. You know, keep looking, keep looking, but you know, down at the very deep, no, no, no. Jesus in your heart, you've got more than goodness. Continue to add to your faith goodness. You have to believe in the goodness of God or faith, your faith will not increase. When you look at the circumstances and you look at the world and you look at the political scene, you look at the reality on this earth and you're not looking in relationship with him, faith is going to be devastated because you don't see a lot of goodness. But if you keep your eyes on him, you'll see more goodness than you could ever shake a stick at. And that's how goodness gets added to your faith. And from that knowledge, and once again, that's experiential knowledge. That's the epigonosco. That's the, the knowledge of knowing personally, true intimacy. Mm. And add to true knowledge, add self-control. Also another fruit of the Spirit, specifically listed. Self-control. Anybody need self-control here? Okay, we got a... Got some bobbleheads going here. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we need some self-control. Self-control does not come by the exercising and the gritting of your teeth and the determination of your will. It comes out of submitting and yielding in relationship to him. And as you do that, his spirit comes upon you and the fruit of his spirit is self-control. And you'll start learning some of the things that even without even taking a class, you'll realize how not to get sucked into somebody else's drama, how not to get triangled in, in some gossip, how, how not to, to get that, because self-control, the Holy Spirit will teach you. And with that perseverance, long-suffering, patience, yeah. persevering, persevering, there's a lot of perseverance in this walk because if we go based on our circumstances 
It's going to be real easy to throw in the towel. But we're never, we're never told to throw in the towel. We're never to, to take the measure of what God's doing based on how our life's going. It only comes out of relationship with him that we find out. Godliness. Ooh, we've already talked about that. But you add to your perseverance godliness. Make it a godly perseverance. And out of that, brotherly affection, brotherly kindness. This is from the Greek word phileo, which has to do with that kind of love between the brotherhood, brothers and sister love. It's, 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 a, it's a, an incredible word. And then to add to that brotherly love, add to it love, agape, agape love. A word that they had to take out of old classical Greek to use to try to illustrate the love that's unconditional from God the Father to us, his sons and daughters. Unconditional, sacrificial, undefinable love. Okay? So just add those seven things to your faith. Okay? Everybody, just do that. I think you're going to have to hold on to his divine power and his precious and great promises and everything that he said before. Hold on to that. And then after you get that, and we get all of those seven things added to faith, then we find out that we've got to increase them. We've got to continue to bring an increase. Increase these qualities so that we'll be effective and we won't be unproductive. And that all, once again, has to do with relationship with Jesus. These are specifically designed to increase the intimacy of our knowledge of who God is. In contrast, if we don't increase in them, if we don't pursue them, if we don't continue to grow in them, we're nearsighted and blind. Oh, I think it's the New American Standard Version. I think translate the Greek more accurately. Blind comes first. We're blind and short-sighted. I think when he's talking about blind, he's talking about our inability to see. But someone who's short-sighted is is someone who can't see into the future. They can't see beyond the immediate circumstance that they're in. If you're not developing these things, you're not going to be able to see what God is doing, how he's even using the circumstances to build muscle, to build something of integrity, build faith. And as we see that, then we, we won't do that. But if we don't, we won't be able to see. And here's the key, and I've already touched on this. I think I've made this point. When you, haven't, when you don't keep increasing, we forget that we've been cleansed from our past sins. And every time we go back and we start fishing in the, the lake of unforgiveness, where everything has been forgiven, and we try to fish out some stuff in that lake, oh, we've forgotten that we're cleansed. We've forgotten that we're the righteousness of God, that Jesus lives in us. And it's not based on your performance. It's based on your faith in him, your trust in him. Therefore, and when you see a therefore in the scripture, you always need to see what it's there for. My brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. This is how you have that assurance of salvation. 
knowing that you are embracing your true identity, you're pursuing what God has called you to, and you know that your hope of an unbroken eternal fellowship and relationship with him is never going to be compromised. Hmm. For if you do these things, you'll never fall. Now, I, as a good evangelical, I read that and I just thought, what's Peter smoking? Is he smoking? <laughs> You're never going to fall? What's he talking about? But it's absolutely true. If you do these things, you will never fall. Doesn't mean you'll be sinless. You're only one sinless. But you will be living in the righteousness of the one who is really righteous. You don't have to fall. I like that. It used to torment me before, and the enemy would always bring this verse to remembrance so he could really make me feel bad about myself because I would have judged myself as having falled, fallen, and, and he says, but you're not supposed to. He always tells you the gospel when he can use it against you. He plays both sides of the fence. And you will receive a rich welcome into an, the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the good news. A rich welcome awaits all of us. And it's, it's, it's not the, the, whole, the whole tenor of this. I, I, the way I used to read this was, I got to do all this so I can get to heaven. And now it's like, no, 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 no. I have entered already an eternal kingdom. Today is the day of salvation. I've already entered into an eternal kingdom. And it's, it's basically saying, there is a rich welcome. And I think the Holy Spirit's saying, welcome to all of us today. It's not just when you die. It's when you, it's when you believe. It's when, when faith gets enacted. You're welcomed richly into the kingdom of Jesus. Holy Spirit, come right now. I pray that you would bring the full reality of this incredible promise, this treasure of your word within our ears where I failed to adequately express and communicate. Holy Spirit, you fill in the blanks. Yeah. For each and every one, I pray that there would not be anyone that could be uh, harmed by the evil one by the enemy highlighting a truth in a way that would cause harm and destruction in their life. And so, Lord, let your righteousness be released. We pray for healing. We pray for deliverance. We pray for forgiveness. We pray for that relational connection with you heart-to-heart, spirit-touching spirit, you coming upon our physical bodies, renewing them and healing them, and putting us back into full alignment with you. Cause us to know forever, forever loved. And as we come into the kingdom in these moments right now, I pray, Father, that there would be the seal of the Holy Spirit that the enemy would not be able to use a bad moment in today's experience to cause us not to believe, to cause us to doubt. 
I pray that your goodness, your goodness would be added to our faith. Let your goodness be added today because you're a good, good father. That's who you are. Mm. Continue to just receive Father's love. Just let him, let him come and do what he longs to do. Oh, yes. Only he can do this. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.